0: Glory to God. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and then 2 Peter chapter 1. Those are the two places we're going to begin this morning. And while you're turning there, our lighting goal originally was uh, right at about $800 to $850. Uh, but we raised, the Lord provided, and you gave, and, and, and people gave, and we raised $1,160. And so like the Lord said, like God said, let there be light. Hallelujah. Feels like a tannin bed in here now. I might have to start wearing shades to preach. But uh, no, listen, on a serious note, on behalf of the uh, leadership team, on behalf of the whole church, thank you for everything that you donated. Thank you for everything you've given. And I believe that God will bless you and reward you for your faithfulness in giving Above all, above everything, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. This has always been uh, a giving church, and uh, it is it is amazing. When I go out to places, just to encourage you, when I go out to places and I talk to people and they tell us, you know, how many families, because I don't count people, I count families. We are a family, the family of God. And so when I go out and we start talking to around the table and and people begin to realize how many families we have and then they begin to realize what kind of building and facilities we have, and they start adding numbers and putting two to two together. It don't take long before they go, how, how do y'all do that? And I go, it's the Lord. Amen. And the people, you know, they give, people are dedicated, people want to see God move, and so thank you for that. I appreciate that. God appreciates that, and we appreciate that. Amen? Amen. Amen. First Timothy chapter 4. Glory to God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving, By those who believe and know the truth. Everybody who likes fried chicken and pig and pork and bacon should say amen to that one. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified. That means set apart by the word of God in prayer. That's why we bless our food right there. We sanctify it. We give thanks. We give honor to God for Him providing it for us, opening the windows of heaven and giving it to us, giving us the provision to get it. And so we bless that food. We give thanks for that food. We acknowledge His gratefulness. It says over in, uh, in Deuteronomy, I think it says that God said that He would bless our bread and water and would take sickness and disease from our midst. And so we thank God for that when we pray. Amen? Amen. If you instruct the brethren... In these things you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of this life that now is and of that which is to come. This morning we're going to talk about godliness. And it gets quiet on that one. I'm fixing to, uh, for some of you, I'm I'm not sure for all of you, but for some of you I'm fixing to open up the Word of God and drop it like it's hot. Because what our perception, nobody got that expression I guess, for the Word of God for us, in this realm of uh, subject, when you start talking about godliness, we automatically begin to think in a certain pattern, in a certain line of thinking when we think godliness. We begin to think about the Ten Commandments. We begin to think about following rules and regulations. We begin to think about godliness as, a, as an outward uh, a sign of, of an inward transformation. And although those things do hold applicable to that thought pattern, that's not where godliness begins. Because if that's where godliness begins, then what was that for? The blood of Jesus. Uh, before we even step out into the, in, on the boat and start trying to walk on water, okay, godliness is not something that you do to earn uh, your right standing with God. Godliness is is not an action that you perform so that you may get and gain the approval of God Almighty or your peers or the ones... It is not something you do to put yourself in a position with God. I wrote this down last night. It said that uh, godliness is not an action of conduct but rather a positional attitude towards God. And I'm going to show you that. I'm going to prove it to you this morning. Now go to Second Peter chapter one, because I want to establish these things a little bit deeper. Second Peter, chapter one. Simon Peter, a bond servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, verse one, "To those who have obtained like, precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you." In the knowledge of our God and our Jesus, our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things. Somebody say all things. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. This verse tells me right here, and I've got many more, but this verse right here tells me That God has given everything that I need. Everything that you need. Listen to that. Everything that you and I need that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. Well, you know, Pastor, I just want to try to live a godly life. Well, let me go ahead and stop you. Because you can't. You can't live a godly life in and of yourself in and of your works, in and of your own efforts. Well, aren't you giving people a license? Aren't you giving people an excuse? Aren't you giving people a reason to just live like they wanted to? Listen to me. Let me give you a deep revelation. People don't need a reason. They don't need an excuse, and they don't need a license. The flesh does what it wants to do if it's been un, uh, unbeaten, unbridled, un, uh, un, if it's been released and allowed to just, you know, K sarah, sarah. Whatever I feel, I, I want to do. No, that's carnality. That's, that's deadly living. See, we think that when God said uh, set up the Ten Commandments, and I, I begin to study this a little bit, even greater than I've ever studied, but I begin to study about God and His uh, response to sin. Which this is a whole nother series. But I begin to, I'm, I'm beginning to see that God doesn't just... Uh, can he he can't he doesn't have to just punish sin he can actually forgive it. We're always looking for someone to to receive the wrath of God because of their sin when Jesus is the one who already received that, but it wasn't the wrath. That he received, as much as the Bible has set in place, God has set in place the wages of sin. You work, you get paid. If you sin, it will cause death. It's not that God killed you. It's that that is a prayer. Well, I walked down in the street and God killed me. No, you forgot to look both ways. God didn't have nothing to do with that. You just walked out there in the street. So there's there's this concept that I want you to get your mind wrapped around. Before we go any further into godliness, godliness, when I start talking about godliness, don't let your mind get on the train track of things I must do, things I must do, things I must do. That's works. That's not what I'm talking about. Godliness, I'm going to show you, is an attitude of the heart. And that attitude of that heart accesses the divinely... Inspired, given power for you and I to live a holy and godly life. The word godliness comes from a Greek word meaning devout piety towards God. Now, piety, that's one of those words we don't use a lot especially in in our day and age, piety is, is properly honoring and respecting and having reverence accompanied with an affection and a devotion to something, mainly God. Listen to that. Honor and respect, reverence, accompanied with affection and devotion. Piety is giving your honor and your respect and your reverence and your devotion to something, uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, study to show thyself approved, right? He, and then he, later on, he said, give yourself wholly, devote yourself, uh, give your life wholly to something, give your life wholly to the reading and the studying of the word of God. Uh, I endeavor to give myself wholly and entirety and everything that is within me. There's a lot of things that I would like to do. Uh, there's a lot of things I would love to spend my free time doing. You know, there's a lot of uh, hobbies that I enjoyed, especially before I got married. And then before we had kids and before we got into the ministry full time. There's a lot of things that I would, But in order for me to give myself wholly to something, I'm first to give myself wholly to God. I'm supposed to devote myself, my affections, my uh, my attention span, my time, and I'm supposed to honor and devote myself to the Lord. Secondly, I'm to devote myself to this beautiful woman right here whose birthday was last week. Everybody say happy birthday. birthday. To devote devote myself to her, to devote myself to our family. Right? Right? But after that, I'm to devote myself to what God has placed and called me to do and to give myself wholly to this calling. That's what piety is. It's it's an honor. It's a respect. You remember we talked a couple of months ago about honor and respect. Listen to me. If you study the Old Testament and the New, and you look at the lives of the men and the women that that just went the farthest with God, the ones that are in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, the ones that are our anchor, the ones that are the the cornerstone, the foundation of what we do and who we are as believers, as the kingdom uh, expansion of of Christians among the earth. You look at all of them and one solid common denominator in all of them was they devoted themselves wholly to the Lord. There There was an honor and a reverence. You show me somebody who respects and honors their parents, and I'll show you somebody who will be successful in life. You show me somebody that does not respect and honor their parents, does not respect their spouse, doesn't respect their children, doesn't respect anyone, and I'll show you someone who's constantly dealing and wrestling with something. Now, I didn't say they wouldn't be rich, they wouldn't have a lot of money. That's not an indication of success. Wow. I don't care how much money you have or how much things you have. It's not what you have that counts, but how you got it. You can lie, cheat, and steal and get a lot of stuff, and that doesn't mean you're successful. That just means you were successful at stealing it from other people. That's not the same thing. Someone who's full of life, someone who's full of energy, someone who's full and just, I mean, you just you're just around them and you think, man, they are I, I just want to be, I just want to be like them. I want to be around them. I want to be with them. I'll show you someone who has a tremendous amount of honor and respect towards God and his people. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Turn there. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Thank you, Lord. Y'all believing with me this morning? A lot to to try to cover, and I don't want to try to just race. I want to try to cover this because I believe the Lord is laying some foundation for some things. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, in one place it says that fear is, uh, it says in Matthew chapter 10, it says, and fear not them which kill the body, but are, to, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. And, I, and then Jesus would show up and he would say, fear not. There's a godly reverential fear that we in our vernacular in our in our common language we don't understand because we think of fear and we think of terror but there's actually three basic greek and hebrew definitions of the word fear and the majority of the time when it talks all the time when it's talking about god or jesus or the kingdom of god it's referencing an awe and a respect and reverence so there's terror Then there's awe, then there's respect and reverence. Those two is what he's talking about when we fear the Lord. Why did Jesus, every time he showed up or an angel showed up, he had to say, fear not. Because when God shows up, your flesh and your brain check out. Because our flesh, our brain, everything that is around us was made and manufactured out of God. So when he shows up on the scene, guess what? Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And if you've not entertained that relationship with the Lord, if you've not devoted yourself to that relationship with the Lord, when it shows up, it may have a tendency to scare the socks off of you. But because your brain is trying to understand what is going on, and the only default position it has is terror and fear because we've lost lack of honor and respect for the things of God. And so, when God shows up in a mighty, mighty way, if you've never been, if you've lived a rebellious, dishonoring life, if you've grown up in a culture who doesn't even say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, or yes, sir. No, sir. And you live in that realm and you grow up in that realm. Then when God shows up, guess what? It scares you because you've never been taught honor and respect. Why do we bow before Jesus? or why, do we, why did Peter throw himself on the ground and say, I am a sinful, sinful man? Because he came face to face with the reality of the Holy Son of, of God And the only position he knew was to throw himself down and say, I am a sinful man. Have mercy on me. Holiness begins with honor and reference to God. Reverence, not reference. Reverence to God. The word godliness actually in the New Testament In the original Greek, the word God is not even in it. But we translate it godliness. It actually is goodliness. It's not godliness, it's goodliness. But we translate it godliness. Why? Because we can't stand that things come to the kingdom of God through grace and not by works. That's why we reject it. That's why we like godliness especially if we're abiding by the law and we're puffing ourselves up, we like to maintain that atmosphere so we can say, I'm a godly person because of what I do and what I wear. No. You and I are godly for one reason and one reason only. Because He shed His blood on that cross. Yes, but I live a just life. You're here because He gave His life so that you can live a just life. No matter how you and I or the flesh tries to take credit for it, we'll never be able to take credit for it. No man, no person can live a holy life in their own strength. That's why godliness has been portrayed and people run from the message of godliness because, oh, well, he's fixing to tell us what I can and can't do. Guess what? I'm not going to tell you any of that this morning. I'm going to tell you one thing and one thing only. Godliness begins with a proper honor and respect for God and the things of God. A good, solid marriage, a fruitful marriage, a wonderful marriage begins with honor and respect for one another. When you come together as husband and wife, it is not to please yourself, it is to please one another. Jesus the son of God who references him referencing himself as the husband says the husband is uh, uh, the wife is the, he is the husband of one wife and he is to give himself for her as Christ gave himself for the church holiness godliness begins with a proper perspective and an honor and a reverence for God I looked up the word godliness in Webster's 1828 dictionary. You can get it online. And they got an app now. I'm going to download that on my phone. It says godliness is piety. There's that word again. Piety, belief in God and reverence for His character. So then I looked up piety according to Mr. Webster. It is a compound of veneration or reverence of the supreme being and love of His character or veneration accompanied with love and piety and practice. It is the exercise of these affections in obedience to His will and devotion to His service. Notice it says, It is the exercise of these affections before the obedience to His will and devotion to His ways come. You can devote yourself. And be obedient to the law, but your heart's not in it. God's after your heart. You can have your heart in it and just be knuckleheaded sometimes. And God says, oh, I ain't worried about it. let like that slide. You don't believe me. <laughs> Why do you think mercy is around for? What do you think? Great? Grace is for those of us who are knuckleheaded and who have brain spasms. And who do things without thinking. That's where grace comes in. And then mercy comes to wipe up and clean it up. Because if your heart is devoted. The Bible says in Proverbs. It says the heart of of those who follow after God. Will not be destroyed. Will not be forsaken. It's not about your actions. Because your actions are a reflection of your heart. Your actions are an indication of what's going on inside. I'm not talking about a slip of the tongue. I'm not talking about... But even that is an indication. If you stub your toe or you hit your finger with a hammer and something comes out, don't beat yourself up. You need to go digging inside and see what's inside there and get it out. What you put in will come out. You get your feelings hurt. and I'm stepping on toes now, mine included. So just don't look down, okay? and I won't be stepping on you, but you get your feelings hurt, somebody says something or doesn't say something, or somebody does something or doesn't do something, and you get your feelings hurt, and you begin to run off at the mouth. You need to look inside and see what you've been putting inside there. Because one of my favorite scriptures that Brother Bill has like drilled into us <laughs> That he has said, he said, the, uh, how can the sons of God be offended? Do not be offended. That means you and I have the power to not pick up that offense. You and I have the power because he's given us everything, 2 Peter says, that pertains to life and godliness. We have everything we need to live a godly life. So that means we have the power and the capacity to not sin. Is that, is that not what it says? I want, let me read it again just to make sure. I'm going to read it from the Bible because I don't want to read it from a notes because I may have misprinted it. Let me go back to 2 Peter. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 3. As His divine power has given to us some things, most things, All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory. Well, you know, know, Pastor, I mean, I know He said all things, but what if it doesn't pertain to life or godliness? Well, then you're not here. You're dead. Because if it pertains to life and godliness, that's where we're at. That's the realm that we live in. And He has given us all things that pertain to that life. Say this with me. I have all things things that pertain pertain to my life life. and Godliness. Now that word veneration, I like this word. I'm going to start using this word a lot. Veneration, you ready? The highest degree of respect and reverence mingled with some degree of awe, a feeling of sentiment, excited by the dignity and superiority of a person or by the sacredness of his character and with regard to place by its consecration to sacred services. Godliness. You ready? Godliness is placing the highest degree of respect and reverence that we have in and of ourselves, mingled with the awe and reverence that we have for God Almighty. Thereby we consecrate ourselves and exercise our affections so that we may obey His will. And do what He's called us to do. That's godliness. See obedience to His laws. It's not godliness. Uh, you remember when, Bible, when, uh, when when the Lord spoke to. Um, I believe it was Abraham. And He said if you be willing and obedient. You shall eat the good of the land. Notice he didn't just say if you be obedient. See, even in the Old Testament, God was after your heart. It says that Abraham was counted as righteousness before Jesus ever shed his blood. He had such faith in what God had told him that he accessed the grace of Jesus Christ before Jesus ever gave his life. Why? Because he had a reverence and a respect and an honor and he gave his affections towards God. And he said, I love you. I want to do what you've called me to do. And he said, if you be willing and obedient. See, we don't like the obedience part. We just like the willing. Well, guess what? You can't be willing and not want to be obedient. You can't put yourself... I want you to put yourself begin to put yourself in a mental frame of mind right now. I want you to picture yourself bowing down before God Almighty as if He was standing right here. Your Father bowing down before Him, putting yourself in that mental place and saying, I love you and I thank you for giving Jesus to die for my sins. Put yourself in that mental place. Put yourself there. I love you, I honor you, I respect you. Now tell me you want to be disobedient. Tell me you want to lash out at your brother or your sister. Tell me you hate your brother and your sister. You can't do it. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by Jesus Christ. And by us putting ourselves in a position of honor and reverence to where we give the highest degree of devotion, the highest degree of our affections, the highest degree of our attention span to God Almighty, you don't want to sin. Guess what? Because it's not in your nature to sin. It's in the nature of your flesh because of the fallen world that we live in, but our flesh is subject to us, not the other way around. You want to gain power over an addiction in your life? You want to get free from something in your life? Then just bow, your hand, bow before the Lord with your cigarettes in one hand and your whiskey and beer in the other. Or the magazine in this hand or your love of money in this hand. Or whatever you fill in the blank the hatred that you have for your parents or the disgust that you have for your uncle or your aunt or whoever it was that hurt you or abused you or whatever you lay before the lord with all that in your in your hands and you say father god i honor you and i respect you but i can't get i don't know how to get rid of this you go before the lord and you put yourself in a position of awe and reverence toward him and listen to me it will fall off you like water off a duck's back Because light and darkness can't mix. And when you make a decision to put yourself back in the nature of the way God created us in the Garden of Eden, and you put yourself in that position, and you place yourself before the presence of God, it will just like that light is so bright, it will burn away all that stuff that is in you. Now, you'll have to deal with some stuff. You'll have to overcome some stuff because you and I are creatures of habit. Uh, if I go out to eat, I'm going to get the same thing just about every time I go to the same place. Why? Because if it ain't broke, I ain't trying to fix it. I know the chicken tenders are good, so why would I want to get anything else? Well, don't you want to try something different? I'll let you try it, and you tell me how it is. Maybe I'll taste it off your plate. That's just me. I like it. If it works, don't fix it. You know, don't, don't, don't break it. Nothing aggravates me more than when they quit selling something that I like. Don't you know that I like that? Why did you quit making them t-shirts? I love them t-shirts. Why would you quit making them shoes? I love them shoes. Why would you quit making that truck? You know, why would you quit? Whatever it is. If you put yourself in a place where we're creatures of habit. So we've established habits of, of behavior. And they need to be dealt with. But then you just run back here. And, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I thank you that I'm free from that thing. Then you walk away and you slip up. Maybe you slip up again. You could run back down and you say, Lord, I thank you. I remember uh, dealing with things in my life or habits in my life. And I remember I heard one of my fathers in the faith begin to speak some things. And he said, uh, whatever their, your habit it is, every time you do that habit, then say, thank you, Lord, that I'm free from this habit. So whatever it may be, i always use the obvious choice. Maybe you like watching soap operas. Lord, I thank you that I'm free from watching General Hospital. Or Lord, I thank you that I'm free from getting angry at my wife. Every time you get angry or every time you find yourself, you put yourself in that position and you run to God and you say, I honor and I respect you and I thank you that even though I have these things that are bubbling up in me, I thank you that is not me. I have been redeemed, I have been freed, and I confess it and bring it to the Lord. That is godliness. Yeah. Well, I don't want to do that. And that's your problem. That's your problem. Why not? Why would you not want to get free? That's like saying, I don't want to be debt free. <sighs> I like that. <laughs> I like paying somebody else three times for my house. You know how much we've paid on this building since its inception of the loan? Over a million dollars. Do you know how much the loan was? $980,000. Do you know how much we still owe? 400 and... What did I say? 400 and something thousand dollars. We have paid over a million dollars. You like doing that? That's fine. I don't. It is freedom to... uh, Freedom is here again. It's freedom oh no man nothing and I I mean I see the light at the end of the tunnel I mean it don't smell good enough for me to go get a five hundred and sixty-five dollar payment so I can drive a new vehicle it don't smell that good my truck smells just fine with only the hood and the top of my truck with primer on it (laughs) y'all do know that Big Red is under construction right She's getting a new paint job and she's doing all that. And she still, I, she smells a whole. She smells real good. Well, what if she does stink? Then I just pull out my wallet and look at all the money that is in there because I don't have no payment. And I go, that smells good, and I keep on driving down the road. <laughs> Casey, okay, he, he's his truck. Bless that thing. I said, Casey, don't you want a new truck, man? I believe God with you. He Said, I don't care. I like my truck. It's paid for. Feels good to not owe no man nothing. I mean, there, there's not any amount, there's not anything that smells that good. There's not anything that feels, nothing. We have, there was a phrase that when I was in uh, when I was in seminary, some of the girls would say nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. You know what I talking That was what they would say to themselves. I said, well, you obviously ain't tried her fried chicken because skinny don't feel that good. All right, nothing smells or nothing feels, nothing drives, nothing is, is experienced that feels as good as being debt-free does. It's freedom. All right, so what if you are in bondage to something? Then, bless God, just run to, the, run to the one who wants to free you from it from a practical standpoint. You've been freed from a law standpoint, you and I have been freed, we've been justified, we've been redeemed, we've been made righteous. All that's been provided for us. But the practicality of it still needs to be implemented in our life. And that comes from the Lord. That comes from spending time with Him and allowing that which is in you that has been given to you that was in you from the foundation of the earth the very nature, the very essence, the very breath of God that we were created in His image, when you do that and you bask in the sun, all that other stuff melts away because you recognize and realize who you really are. It's like, it's like, when, you were grow, like when I was growing up as a, young, as a young boy and maybe you're dealing with a bully. I had a bully when I was growing up, two of them. I kicked one of them in the arm and the other one we got in a dispute. And I remember, yeah, I forgive him. (laughs) I forgave him, my wife. I laid hands on him and prayed for him. But, But it's like realizing and recognizing that spirit of that, the spirit of the domination that the enemy tries to get on it and recognize that spirit. And I don't advocate violence. But I do advocate defending yourself. And I remember when I defended myself, I remember it was like, man, I don't have to deal with this bondage no more. When you recognize and realize that the power is already there, you already have the strength, but you never exercise it, you never use it. So the enemy has lied to you. That's what a bully does. You do know that bullies are full of it, right? they deal with their own insecurities and the best way they deal with it is to bully you. The only way to get over it is to stand up to them. So the enemy who's about this tall, but he makes him stands in front of those mirrors like at the circus where he makes himself bigger and he tells you all manner of things. And the moment you stand up and you realize and recognize what the Word says and it becomes alive to you, he goes, woo, he goes down about that high and you go, wow, wait This is what, I mean, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to say, this? This is what Revelation said. This is what? Who deceived the nations? That little thing right there? There's a reason why it says he's under his feet because he's way down there. When we recognize and we realize that those things that have you and hold you are that small. And they've been under your feet. You just don't know it. You can't get it through your... I had one thick head. You can't get it through your thick head. That's the problem. And so how do you do that? You get into the Word and you get yourself before the Lord and you create an attitude of awe and respect and reverency and piety and devotion to God and all things gospel. That's godliness. That's godliness. The fear of God, of the Lord, means a deep and reverential sense of accountability to God or Christ. and That's what the Lord told me. Me and you were talking yesterday. People don't have no accountability. Why do people not want to follow the Lord? Because they have no accountability in their life. You start with a proper reverence and respect for the Lord. Yeah, He's the Lord. He loves us. He's God. He's our Father. But He's also God and He's holy. And because of that we bow our knee. Not because we're afraid of Him, but because we respect and we honor. I have had sinners, I mean, the poster children for the the lost have more respect for the man of God and the house of God than some Christians do. I have had uncles or uh, relatives that have that have come around me and the minute that they find out that I was in ministry and they say a dirty word, they say, Oh, preacher, man, I forgive me. I go, man, you've got more sense than most Christians do because of the respect and the honor. Now, God can work with that one. Well, I'm just going, it don't matter what I say, i got freedom. Well, I mean... And this is just something the Lord's really been dealing with me on some things here recently. I mean, am I using my freedom as an excuse to do what I want to do? Hmm. I'm saying that to me. So that way, look at my toes, I'm stepping on them too. Am I using my freedom in Christ as an excuse to not have to deal with my flesh and my habits that I don't want to do it? See, it says bodily exercise profiteth little, it is profitable. But godliness is profitable for all things. And don't let anybody deceive you and tell you that just to life. Well, you know, if we just live a holy life, then when we get to heaven, we get all that good stuff. He said in this life first and in the life to come, there is a reward for devoting and honoring and reverencing God. Mind you, you will reap what you sow. And the people of God that honor Him and, rever- and reverence Him and live their lives according and govern their lives according to the Word of God, I promise you, you will reap a harvest. Acts chapter 10 verse 35 says, But in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. There it is. Fear and reverence and honor comes before your actions. Psalm 25, 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Luke chapter 1, verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And last but not least, Psalm 34, verse 9. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. That word fear literally means well-directed reverence, but does not imply an inward inherent holiness. It is actually an externalized piety. The word godliness is not just an outward manifestation of actions. It starts with the heart. It starts with the attitude. And when we say, God, you are holy, and I honor you, and I reverence you, and I will not defile the temple of the Lord, I will honor what you have said to honor and I will place respect and honor on the things of God, that's where godliness begins. Show me somebody who has a deep reverential respect for God and the things of God and the men and women of God, and I'll show you someone who is going to be very successful in life. Not everything that glitters is gold. Just because you have a new truck and a sports boat and three or four houses, what happens when you go home and you lay your head down at night? Do your children respect you and honor you? Does your wife honor you? Does your husband? I would trade all that in the world to have peace in our home. You can take all that other stuff because it ain't going nowhere with you. You take peace with you. You can't take that boat with you. I'm not against the boat. I mean, if you've got a boat, great. We'll go. Let's go. Let's go skiing. I'm all for it. But make sure that it doesn't have you. Make sure that these things, make sure that your heart and your devotion is towards God. He just said that we would have no lack. But where does that start? It starts with reverence and honor and fear, proper fear and reverence for the Lord. Remember, this is New Testament. Book of Acts, after Jesus, Holy Spirit came. Book of Acts, New Testament church. When they lied to the Holy Spirit, they died. Now put that in your pipe. Fear. And it says, it says that great fear came among them. Well, I would imagine so. If you weren't right that day, you got right right then. You just, Lord, here, let me just go on. I'm, I've been, I, I'm next in line. I don't want to lie here. I got it all. Just get take it all. Thank you, Jesus. Love you. That's the book of Acts. Don't lie. Cheatings. I mean, that, that is lack of respect, lack of honor. If there's one thing that you can do, if there's one principle that you could stand on all of your life, not stand on anything else, but stand on one principle all of your life. It would be to have a proper respect and honor and reverence towards the Lord God Almighty. You do that and you'll be good. You'll be all right. But when you get to think, you See, even, even when it comes to vengeance and bitterness and unforgiveness, man, oh Lord, you know. You know, I'm convinced that the reason why the Lord said pray for those who persecute you who spitefully use you. Why? Because we may be the only ones praying for them. And Smith Wigglesworth said, one time he said that it seems that God is limited by our prayer life in that He can do nothing for mankind lest someone ask Him. We have all authority. We have dominion. He delegated it to us. What if the the freedom for that person that you're holding that unforgiveness for is in your prayers? Man, that's a message right there that make you want to run and shout, pray for those who beat you and spitefully use you. I have had to do that recently. And, so, and I say, and when you do it, here again, see, you think sometimes maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't think it, but I think that you think it. Maybe you think because I'm the pastor, I'm Superman. And I don't deal with bitterness or unforgiveness. That, really? That amen at that point in the message? <laughs> and I was in the shower the other night and I began to think about this situation and I began to think about all that and, I, and the scripture rose up real softly pray for those who persecute you and I said Father in the name of Jesus and I began to pray for that person or those folks and, and those things that were coming out of me and I began to do that and I'm telling you my heart just changed it was like, it was like you stepped aside and you looked at what happened and you could look at it and watch it, but you did not feel the sting and the pain of it anymore. Because I recognize and realize I've been freed from that. I'm going to pray for you. and bless you and pray for you that God would uh, open your eyes, that you would see, that you would know. Don't get into all that. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That ain't our battle to pick up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me close with this.. First of all, First Timothy 2 says, "Therefore I exert first of all that all that supplications, prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness." And reverence. Stand with me. Why don't we start with ourselves? Why don't we start? We'll pick back up where we left off next week. But why don't we start with us? 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5. That's the one, thank you Lord, that's the one I wanted to read. 2 Timothy 3, you don't have to turn there, it says, But now know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from search, people turn away. That's pretty strong. I thought we were supposed to love everybody. Get along with everybody. No, you're supposed to remove yourselves from those who have a form of godliness. What does that mean? Now that you understand, now that I understand, see, I'm seeing things right now. Now that I understand what godliness really means, It shows me that they have a form of this, but deny this. They have a form of worship. They have a form of honor. They have a form of reverence. They have an appearance of giving all the piety and and all the respect and the honor for God. But when you walk away and they're by themselves, they deny the power of that godliness to cause the transformation on the inside. In other words, they're hypocrites. Now, I'm not talking about people, you know, I've hurt my wife before. I have said things to her before. Is she supposed to abstain and remove herself from me? If I continue and I don't repent and say, honey, forgive me, I repent, I make a choice to with the best of my ability and the best of my knowledge to make a change in that area of our marriage. You see the difference? And then what if, what if, what if it happens again? I'm, That's right. I make... A form of godliness is always given the appearance that you're... fine. Always given the appearance that I'm sorry and I apologize, but secretly you... The thing's in you. You know, well, what does that look like? What does repentance look like? I don't know. I don't know if you can describe it. I just think you know it when you see it. I know it in my children. I'm sorry. You want to try that again? (laughs) One of the things I love about Lainey, my middle daughter, is she is a very active, uh, I mean, she just, she's an athlete. I mean, she just loves to just run and play. I mean, she's just, if you keep her caged up in the house for 24 hours, you're going to have to whip her all over the house. So you'd be best just put a raincoat and let her run outside and do cartwheel. I mean, because, you know, she just get, she's got to go run. She's got to go, all kids are like that. But she, man, I'm telling you, you get on to her and she'll get so mad and she'll be mad and hug you mad. <laughs> she will hug you mad and crying. She'll be crying, Daddy, I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> and she'll be mad. I love that. That's repentance. Repentance. Because she's, she's, she's buffing. She's allowing her. She's allowing her honor and her respect and her reverence for her mother and her father to overpower her temporary fleshly anger. You know it when you see it. Let's just bow our heads. Let's just give the Lord a minute. To, let's just give the Holy Spirit a time to just come. Father, we welcome you. We thank you that you do reside in us. Father, these words that have been spoken, Lord, did you stir these things up in us? And I want you to just take take an evaluation of your heart. Take an evaluation of yourself and just ask yourself, have I been given the proper honor? Have I been given the proper respect? Have I been given the highest degree of respect and honor? Have I been allowing... um, my affections to be exercised towards God Almighty and the honor and respect Him. And as a result, I thereby begin to do and, and act according to what my affections have drawn me to. I'm not talking about works, I'm talking about just your attitude, your heart. See, He's after your heart. What does it mean to be after your heart? I'm not talking about your mind. I'm not talking about, see, you can, everybody in this room can stand right here and raise their hands towards God. And it looks like you're given honor and respect to God. But only you know that you're given the deepest, highest degree of respect and honor. Father, we start today. We give honor to whom honor is due. And first and foremost, Father, the honor that we give, we devote our honor and everything that we have to you. Even before Jesus came, you created us. You created everything that lives around us. You created the world that we live in. You gave it to us and you placed us in that habitation, that dwelling for us to enjoy and, and to to be able to fellowship with you. And we dishonored it. And so you sent Jesus, and Jesus came, and He graciously gave of Himself and of His life and willingly laid Himself down so that we might be put back in that right place of honor and position with you. And so many times we dishonor it. And so, Lord, this morning we make a conscious decision. We decide as the people of God, individually, that we will place a highest degree, our highest degree of effort and work and and mentality into honoring who you are and what you do for us and in us and through us. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something because it's going to make you uncomfortable. And that's the whole point. All the amount of effort and all the amount of work that Christians try to put into being right, being good and looking good, all start with this subject right here. I want you to take that same amount of effort and that same amount of work that is in the world, that is in religiousness, that tries to tell us we got to make ourselves righteous. Now take that work and all you got to do is take all that effort and apply it towards your reverence and honor towards God. And I'm going to ask you to come up to the front and I want all of us to stand up at the front and I want us to just face the cross and I want us to just honor God together. Can you do that for me? This is where it starts, right here, see? Getting out of your seat. And if you, you know, I'm not talking about you walking. If you want to stand where you're at and just face towards the cross, let's just put ourselves in a position of honor and give God this morning all of our honor and all of our respect and all of our adoration as the people of God, as the, as the, as the family of New Covenant. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes and lift up your hands to the Lord. And just take a moment inside and just honor the Lord and just thank Him. Father, we honor You. We take time out of this service to put ourselves in a position of vulnerability, to walk up here on a Sunday morning and to stand together and bow our heads and lift our hands and say, Father, You are worthy of all the honor and all the glory. You are God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You are the God that fashioned the stars in the heavens. You are the God that created the seas in the earth. You formed the very earth by speaking it into existence. Light had never existed in the capacity that it does until you said, Light be. And to this day, that light is expanding at an exponential rate all over the universe because you've not told it to stop yet. There's no amount of darkness. There's no amount of space no amount of clouds. There's nothing dark enough to cloud out and overshadow the smallest inkling of light. Light is so much of a a force that light, that darkness is simply the absence of it. I heard the Lord say, as we're doing this, that light is a substance. Uh, You have a flashlight. You have headlights. But you don't have darkness lights. You don't have darkness flashlights. That's because darkness is not an entity in and of itself. Darkness is simply the absence of light. And you've made that light, Father, to shine in our hearts. You've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, you gave us your most treasured and valuable possession, which was Jesus Christ. And then He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we might be reconciled to you and to go back to the way that you had intended us for it to live and that was to fellowship and to give glory and honor to you. And so we put ourselves in that position and we say glory to God in the highest glory to God in the highest we honor you we respect you and we reverence you with our highest degree of affection this morning thank you Lord Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I heard the Lord say that if you, uh, because you've honored me, I don't know who this is for, but because you've honored me this morning, I'm fixing to show you how much I honor you and respect you and value you. And that if you will honor me in front of those that have dishonored me, I will honor you in front of those that have dishonored you. And I will make a way and I will open the doors. If you keep yourself clean, you do not have to defend yourself. You do not have to come to the defense of yourself. I will defend you, said the Lord. So I ask you to pray for those who have hurt you to speak well of those who have spitefully used you. You keep your nose clean and you keep your nose and your eyes at me. Like Casey said, you keep your eyes devoted and gazed upon me. I got this. No one is greater than the laws of nature. No one is greater than the laws of the Spirit. But the Lord said, I'm the one who can, He said, I'm the one that can snuff that thing out for you. I'm the one who can take care of that for you. Whatsoever man soweth, that will he also reap. So make sure that you sow what is good and godly. And you do that by proper honor and reverence and respect. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Miss Carol, would you say what you need to say and then dismiss us in prayer?
1: Couple
0: things this morning. What about now? You got it? Okay. It's uh, Kelly's mic. Thank you, Lord.
1: I heard the Lord say a couple things this morning. He said, This is special to me because this is what I say to Bill. When he tells me he loves me, I tell him I love him more. And that's what I heard the Lord say. When you tell me you love me, I tell you back I love you more. And he said to tell you this. Now the Lord would say, I bless you. coming in and you're going out I bless you and all that you do I bless you because you're my children all of you that have children know what I'm talking about you just want them happy and you want them blessed and the lord bless you and keep you And the Lord give you peace. And remember this week when things come up, the Lord said, I love you more. And I've made a way for your escape. So he said, just go. Go and know that I've already fought the battles and I've already won. You have what it takes. There's nothing lacking in you. Nothing. I wouldn't ask anything of you if I had not already equipped you to do it. So remember these words as things come, you, come at you this week. That the Lord's got your back. That he sent angels before you and with you. And you have everything you need. Amen.
0: Thank you, Lord. Well, go and be blessed.